This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. And please remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. So you're causing this show to happen, and thank you very much for doing so. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, concerns, or whatever, Alex will answer the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. And Mr. Kelly. Yes, sir. Do I smell like vinegar? <laughs> I haven't been. I'm socially distancing, Mike. I haven't been close yeah, enough to I tell. Yeah, but I had to walk kind of close. To well, you yeah, I, a little bit. But I didn't breathe when you did is that because so. I spilled something on my shorts. Oh, this really? Uh huh. And Tracy says always use vinegar. Yeah. To get rid of any kind of stains. Yeah. The stain's still there, but Uh-oh. it smells like vinegar. Does she like the smell of vinegar? <laughs> Maybe she's just telling you that it's better than your cologne. I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that because I'm headed to town and country after the show, so I didn't oh, yeah. want to smell like vinegar. Well, you know, vinegar is pretty useful. It, it cleans a lot, so it does. You know, but Plant it hasn't worked on your stain. <laughs> What's your stain? Uh, chocolate from a oh, hot chocolate. Oh, that yeah, that could be tough. Yeah, I drink coffee, and sometimes I have a hot chocolate, you know, with breakfast. Yeah, too, and so. so you drink hot chocolate while you're wearing shorts. <laughs> yes, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> You're sending two messages there. Yes. <laughs> Bottom part of my body is different than the upper part of my body. You know, that's true. That's why <laughs> soccer players can go without long pants. Right. Exactly. I guess. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Okay. So if you do smell any vinegar, you know where it's coming from. Okay. I will know. <laughs> vinegar Mike. Right. Exactly. Thanks. Oh, folks, it is Saturday morning, and we can have a roundtable discussion about the rain. Thank goodness it got dry for a while there. And... uh Boy, going into wintertime, dry soil is probably one of the worst things possible for established plants and certainly for new installations, meaning two years or less. And how's your yard looking? Um, and those house plants, hopefully they're all in and everything's fine. And uh, what are you going to do all winter long? Hmm. You can improve your soil, adding compost and working the soil up, getting the bed ready for next year. Uh, you can do some pruning on certain things. Keep an eye out for the bugs and things along that line as well. And diseases, too. I mean, there are certain things that can show up. So uh, using the information that I share with you hopefully will help you orchestrate the best possible option for you. 
But the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's producing, and he answers the phone. He does pretty much everything. All I do is sit here and blab, and that makes it very easy. I've been hosting a garden hotline since 1994, and also I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, which I call a walk and talk. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It is, a, to be honest with you, it's a little difficult to do my Good Gardening Stroll uh, when it's pouring rain because I have a clipboard, I have a pen, and, you know... <laughs> It's hard to find a place where I can get and it won't rain on the paper and everything else. So it was pouring for a little bit and it kind of slowed down just a little bit. So I got out and did as much of the walk as I could. And then it started pouring again. I mean, just immediately. And uh, where I was, the fantastic uplighting really highlights the architectural qualities of this building. And it must be on a timer because about 7 a.m. they all went off. So uh, that's fine. I heard uh, rain had let up for a few seconds, but there was thunder, and I thought, uh-oh. And the stormwater intake that I walked by echoed the sound of a cave below. And the sweet spire, it was holding on to some colorful leaves, so there is still a little bit of color left, but majority of it has fallen. Not all of it, but majority. The boxwood looks really vibrant green. The granite steps on the north side lead up to the entrance to the building, and this building was dedicated May 30th, 1936, and this is the Soldier's Memorial. There's a banner that reads, Come Find Yourself. So, it oops, starting to rain, so I'm going to have to just kind of fake this, I guess. But it's uh, Veterans Day was Wednesday, so uh, th- you know, thanks to all the veterans, myself, for, well, not quite four years, three years and nine months in the Air Force, Second Air Force, B-52s. There was some rain because I was in Guam. So we flew B-52s from Guam all the way to Vietnam, six hours each way, so a 12-hour flight. That was a little bit uh, interesting, needless to say. And a lot of times I was air intelligence, so we we picked the targets. We always had three targets so that they could option, you know, for which one in case it was raining really hard. But a lot of times it was raining hard at all three locations. So consequently, the bombs, because they can't land B-52s with bombs, uh, they'd have to drop them. There was an island off of, I guess it was off Vietnam where they were dropped. But anyway, so that was my, uh, you know, sort of, I didn't really want to do the Army. Certainly I'm not tough enough to be a Marine so I did the Air Force. You have to be tough to be in the Air, in the Air Force, too. But uh, it's, I'll tell you what, this uh, the Soldiers Memorial really looks fantastic ever since the uh, History Museum has taken over. And it's really the aesthetic qualities were amplified unbelievably. And uh, around front, too, there's some new seating. It's not the classic, like, park benches or something. They're individual chairs that are kind of white or silver or something along that line. I didn't notice those before. But around the buildings, there's some or other ornamental grasses. It looks like some of it had been removed. I don't know exactly why. But uh, anyway, it's uh, ornamental grasses were headed for a long winter's nap. 
We're just on the cusp of winter. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436, is that right? 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thank goodness for the rain, though uh, it does make it a little bit uh, soggy. I got my water shoes on. They're fl- flip-flops. No, they're not flip-flops. Anyway, let's head over to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Hi. Uh, you've inspired me to try spring bulbs in pots uh, over the winter for next spring, mm-hmm. and I've got them planted and all set up. My question is, do I? What do I do with them? Do I just leave them out on the patio, uh, even through the freezing weather, or do I have to bring them in a garage for protection or under an awning? Or well, personally, and then I how leave do mine I water? I just then, leave mine sitting on the patio or on the sidewalk or wherever that you know wherever that particular planter happens to be, and, and then uh, just let the uh, the natural rain water it as needed, or do you have to water it any extra time? Well, if we have extended periods like more than one or two weeks with no uh, air, you know no rain or ice or snow or anything like that, then I do take a bucket or two of water out and water them. But beyond that, uh, that's pretty much it. Just leave them out and see how they go. Huh? Right. And there's been, I've been doing it for 30-plus years, and uh, there's been two winters where it got so severely cold that a lot of them got frozen and then, you know, got rotted, basically. But uh, that's only those two years out of all that time, so I haven't, I can't complain too much. So this, I've seen online some people say you should wrap the pots or something to protect them from the extreme cold, but you don't mess with any of that, right? Heavens, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll give it a shot then. Thank yeah, you. Good luck. Thanks. Yeah, just make sure there's a, you know an inch or so between where you put the bulbs on the perimeter of the pot and the actual edge of the pot. So that soil, you know, I just find that that works as an insulator. So now let's head over to Ruth Ann's yard. Hi, Ruth Ann. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have some... Um, elephant ears that are still in the pots and they're still getting new leaves and I know it's time to take them out. So how do I do that? And then I also have some tuberoses that I want to know about too. Uh, Basically with the the, uh, elephant ears, I just tip my pots over on a plastic bag and then, you know, dump them out. Then I shake all the potting mix that I've been growing them in off of them. And then I've got all mine. I've put them in the garage. It's probably been two weeks since I did that. And uh, now I have them in paper bags ready to come into the basement for the wintertime. Do I cut the growth off or do I just let it on them? Yeah, or? to me, yeah, cut it off. Leave about, you know, two or three inches or so of stem, and that's about all you need to leave. Okay, and um, my basement's not heated. Is that a problem? Well, my, my I guess mine is kind of heated. No, it's not a problem at all. It's certainly, it's just... Yeah, I, I've actually left them in the garage before, but I'm a little bit paranoid to leave them in the garage, although I do leave my cannas in the garage. I just put them in, like, Rubbermaid, uh, you know, kind of plastic tubs and put the lid down mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so even though they're still getting new leaves, I just take them out and cut it down to two inches and put them in paper bags. Right, exactly. 
Okay, now the tube roses, well, first of all, only one of the four bulbs bloom, produced blooms. I It may have been that I had them in pots by the side of my house, which doesn't get full sun all oh. day, and they like full sun. Right. So maybe next year I just need to put them sunnier, but there's, they'll still produce next year, right? They should, yes. Just when you... Okay, and do I... Again, I'm sorry, just, go on. Yeah, dump those out of the pot, too. Take a look at the... You have the root system and everything, and uh, just kind of go from there. And do I cut those down to like two inches, like yeah. the elephant ears? Yeah, just I okay, cut so everything. You know, any kind of any kind of foliage, it's just going to rot during the winter time mm-hmm. anyway. So, and that potentially could mm-hmm. cause bacteria or some kind of other problems. And I have iris that are in pots. Do I just let those in the pots for the winter? Yeah, if, if I would. Should I cut them back? Uh, once they start turning brown, yes. So whether they're the okay. traditional flags or you've got Siberian iris or Japanese iris or whatever it is, yeah, once the foliage starts going brown, cut it down. And lilies the same way? Yep, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, now the cutting is, you know, with certain things you don't cut down, like mums or any of the fall-blooming things. You don't cut, but anything that blooms earlier and the foliage is starting to turn brown, uh, cut it off. Okay. All right. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Rod Yard. Hi, Rod. Hi, Mike. I have a bald uh, balsam tree in my front yard. It's about, oh, 30 feet high. And over the last maybe two years, I've gotten a lot of knuckles in the yard. And I just wondered if there's anything I could do to, can I cut off the top of them or how should that be handled? <laughs> well, it's not the ideal thing to do, but uh, they... Oh, well, just ex- explain that to me. Well, basically, they are swamp dwellers. So they grow where naturally, where they're always underwater, the root systems. So they, you know, genetically, they've produced these knuckles. And what it does is they rise above the water level so they can take air in that way and help the plant just in general. It can take air in other ways, but it's just sort of a circumstance where it just, you know, basically makes it so they can be a little bit more healthy and vibrant and everything else. And, so just leave them alone? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they can be really outrageous. But, uh, <laughs> Mine are. <laughs> I mean, especially, well, it's really horrible this time of year, especially if you have like uh Maples and sycamores and oaks and things like that, those kind of trees close by, and the leaves blow over those knuckles, and you know, and you can't see them, so you're walking along there, and you all of a sudden goof, you trip and well, fall because you've hit your you know hit your foot on a knuckle. Yeah, well these these are getting big, and I I just worry about uh, I have somebody that uh, cuts my grass in my yard right and I don't know if I, 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 if I'm gonna put little flags out by him or what because <laughs> <Well>, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't mean, want him to ruin his mower yeah there are certain people that will you know cut them off it doesn't really it doesn't really hurt but it's a lot of work to do so it's really you know kind of your option on what to do but okay so but the reason they have them and 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 I didn't have I, I guess a couple of years ago I don't think I had any right. But it's all, just as they age, as they age. Okay, okay. Yeah, this was one of those uh, little trees that y- your kid gets on you know tree day, oh, really? Arbor Day. He he brought it home from North Glendale, uh, grade school, and 
now, 30 years later, it's a big, nice tree, but yes. uh, the knuckles are there. Okay, thank you. Sir, my pleasure. Yeah, the bald cypress, I mean, native to swamp areas, and it's got to have those things that rise up above the water to help the get some intake of um, you know necessary air. So thanks, Okay, Ron. well, I, I didn't know why they... You know what the purpose of it is. Now I'll leave them alone and <laughs> just trip on them. <laughs> right. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. And the reason why I said that is because, you know, I live in the city and a lot of people, you know, make sure the sidewalk's clear and everything else as far as when the leaves. But uh, yesterday I was, or was it, no, I guess it was Thursday I was walking. But uh, anyway, a lot of leaves. You know, there's certain places I remember that uh, watch out because of the sidewalk because of the large tree that used to be here, which has been taken down, or the large tree is still there. The sidewalk's very uneven. But I didn't realize about this particular spot. So I was going along, you know, kind of shuffling through all the leaves. It's probably like six inches deep. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, I really like stubbed my toe pretty bad on this. And it was a root system that was going in between like the crevice the expansion joint in the sidewalk. So that's why I'm saying just you have to be careful with those kind of things. Let's head over to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have two large maples in my yard, and they need to be trimmed like five branches low, the low branches. Mm -hmm. Is it still time to do that? Well, ideally, maples prefer summertime, but, yeah, you. I mean, just make sure the tree service you get they're arborists, they know what they're doing, and it shouldn't be a problem at all. And usually okay. what they're going to do is, you know, take the branches off a section at a time so it doesn't tear the bark on the tree. Right. Okay. That's what I needed to know. All right. Thank you. Yeah, and and make sure they, and you know, an arborist is not going to do that, but don't leave any kind of stubs or anything either. So. Okay. So make sure they do a clean job. Yeah, exactly. You want to have about... Uh, probably like a quarter or a half inch, depending upon how large the branch is left on the trunk or whatever major branch it's attached to. And okay. um, that's exposes a cambium layer, and that's a layer that helps it heal, you know, basically scab over. Okay. So. Yeah, these are all attached to the trunk, but they're pretty low, and some of them are starting to interfere with the roof. <laughs> Definitely get them off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. Sure. Bye. And let's head out to St. Charles and go into Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yes, I have some amaryllises that I keep out in the yard all year. I bring them in in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. I have them in a garage that gets some sunlight. Uh, I'm kind of ignoring them now because if I remember right, you, you ignore them for a while and then you start watering them again, trying to force them into blooming by Christmas time. Right. That's a safe thing to do? Yeah. I mean, it sounds perfect. As long as your garage you know, doesn't go below freezing, and probably even then, you don't have them, don't leave them sit on the floor. And uh, if you can set them up off, off the floor on something, regardless of how cold it got, I don't think it's probably going to bother your amaryllis bulbs at all. Yeah, it's an unheated, insulated garage, right. and these are up on shelves about three foot off the floor. So Sounds perfect. Some sunlight come in, but if I go ahead and bring them in in a couple of weeks and start watering them, they might bloom by Christmas? Yeah, they could, or certainly probably Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, okay, as long as they bloom. Right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> right.
So Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we do have some rain time. Uh, lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As far as woody plant material, if the nursery that you go to has the plants that you want, you can still plant until the ground is frozen. So you can safely plant. Just make sure that you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80% is deep. So you want the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. So unless it's one that can handle like river birch or bald cypress like the gentleman was talking about in the, you know, before the break, that can handle wet soils. But once if you plant them at grade, they can sink and then there could be water puddling around the base of it and it could really do some damage to the root system. So that's why you want to plant it higher than the surrounding ground. So, Linda it lives in Oakville. Hi, Linda. That's why you want to plant it higher. Hello, Linda. Linda, it lives in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Go ahead. We have a situ- We have a situation with a tree. It's a sweet gum tree in our backyard, and the roots are coming, you know, like above the grass. So we're wondering if there's a way that we we know we can't cut those roots out. They're major roots, but we're wondering, you know, could we cover them with dirt and sod or maybe grass seed, or will that hurt them? Because eventually we think, you know, as we're mowing the the lawn there, it's going to start cutting the roots. Yeah, basically what you can do is don't bother with any kind of grass, any sod, any dirt. Just put mulch, like three to four inches of mulch. And just, you know, make a circle or make, you know, an oval shape or whatever you prefer. But that's the best thing you can do in a circumstance like that. Then ultimately, if you want to, you can try to, you know, mess around with some kinds of ground covers. But if you want to keep it as simple as possible, that would just be mulch. And you'd have to put probably mulch down every couple of years just to keep the area covered. Well, these aren't these aren't really right by the, you know, base of the tree. These are out in the grass, in the lawn. Yeah. Well, I mean, like by six feet, five or six feet out. Well, a lot of times, I mean, that's how far out you got to go, you know, with the ground cover or with the mulch. Five to six feet is not very far in reality because these are probably pretty oh. big trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big tree. Right. Oh, so boy, that's kind of a. And I have a question, too, about Christmas cactus. I don't know. I used to be able to grow them, but I can't anymore. <laughs> and I want to get another one this year. Um, you know, closer to Christmas. Sure. And should, I don't, I mean, I'm having problems with like how often to water it. And I mean, I had one that was years old and then it just died off. And then, I don't know, I've gotten new ones and they just, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but can you kind of give some direction on that too? Basically. Should you repot it, just leave it alone? Leave it alone. (laughs) They want to be pot bound. Unless it is just massively huge in the, you know, the Christmas cactus is so heavy, it's tipping the pot over, then maybe put it into, a, you know, a larger pot. But for the most part, just leave it alone and, you know, kind of just don't think about it. That's the best thing you can possibly do. They're a tropical oh, cactus. Yeah. They do like moisture. They like humidity more so than moisture per se. So if you water them, just make sure that, you know, there's drainage holes, the water drains out, you know, thoroughly, 
before uh, you water it again, and it gets dry and it starts shrinking away from the inside of the pot. That's the best. Would it thing. be good to put it up like on put it on a tray of water, but like elevate it so that it's not in the water to provide some humidity? No, I think if you just have it someplace, probably a normal house. If your furnace has a humidifier, that's probably adequate. To be honest. Okay. All right. Thank you. Have yeah. a great weekend. Sure. Love the show. Bye. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now let's see, where do we need to go? Let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So I have to thank you because I had a really good garden this year, and I followed your advice about a raised bed. I put a raised bed in during the COVID and used the uh, St. Louis composting bedding mix. And my tomatoes and everything was crazy. The only thing (laughs) I had problems with was corn, which I overplanted way too much corn, and it was a disaster, but... It's all my fault. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so what do I do now? Because it's wintertime, and I'm like, I'm going to take all the plant material out and put it in a in a compost pile or whatever and kind of clean it back to the dirt. But do I have to fertilize? Do I have to dig it up? Do I just leave it alone? I mean, before the springtime comes, because I don't know. Like, this is kind of new for me. I'm, I'm trying this right. for the first time. Yeah, definitely get all the plant material off this out of the space, because... You don't know what kind of potential diseases or whatever there might be if you just leave it lay. So get that out of there and just turn the soil over either with a rototiller or a spade or whatever. And that's pretty much just leave it alone for the rest of the wintertime. And you're doing that just to aerate it. To Also, if there happens to be any insects in the soil, you're exposing those insects to the cold weather. And that could help with the insect control if there's, you know, potentially problems. Okay. Um, so I have like a second thing here. I planted some strawberries in an old pool that I had. I, I cut a hole in the side of it and made like a walk-in area, and I planted the rest of it with dirt. And uh, so the strawberry plants are looking pretty good at this point. I mean, I didn't get a whole lot of strawberries because it was like the first year. Right. But what do I – I just took the term strawberry as like a thing, so I went and got me some dis- – bale of straw and kind of buried them in like three or four inches of loose straw but but i don't know if you have to cover them or don't have to cover them but i just thought maybe that would help them from not freezing over the winter i don't know maybe i'm way off on it i don't know well it does help you know helps insulate them it might be a little bit too deep you just kind of want to cover them so you can't really see let's say the the foliage the leaves but beyond that, don't make it too deep because what it's going to do, it's going to get like in a rain like this, it's going to get really heavy, dense, and that could be problematic from a bacteria standpoint. Okay, so I kind of buried it up to where the, the taller parts of it are actually still sticking out. Okay, so that's, then that's perfect. Okay, and um, also I'm thinking about planting some maybe like poor fruit trees, and I'm just like jumping out of the box here and saying like maybe – a couple of apple trees and a couple of peach trees. But, I mean, my main thing is to try to get something where it's as least amount of work as I can get and that they actually, you know, I can get a couple of apples or peaches or something out of it at some point because my mom's tried fruit trees in her yard before and they kind of just didn't pan out. So I don't know what we did wrong there. But, you know, I, I want something that's more acclimated to the, maybe Missouri's weather or, you know what I mean? I don't want nothing too crazy. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make it, you know, you understand me. <laughs> right. 
basically what you want to do is if you get a standard size tree, you're going to have to wait for seven to maybe 10 years before you're going to get much fruit. So a semi-dwarf is going to make that a little bit less, but make sure that the tree that you get is a dwarf tree because they should start producing fruit beyond just a couple of peaches or apples or whatever at about the three-year mark, three to four years. So those first couple of years, even if you start to see some fruit forming after it finishes flowering, get rid of that fruit because it kind of stresses the, the tree out. So consequently, just wait for a couple of years. So you're going to have to have that kind of investment, even with getting a true dwarf tree. And as far as which the best varieties, taste is going to be important, but also just go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see which ones they recommend for the region. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, it, I was very pleased. I had so many tomatoes, it was crazy. And uh, beans, oh, they tasted great. <laughs> I even got a watermelon or two. But they were kind of, I planted them at the very, like I did it in stages. So I did like the first bed of tomatoes, and then the second bed I did like beans and corn. But the third one I did the strawberries. But I put a couple watermelons and cucumbers in there. And... Uh, I got started getting watermelons, but I think it, if I'd have done it a little earlier, right? I think I would have maybe got a few more out of it. But the one, the two of them, or whatever we got out of there, were everything tasted way better than the store bought stuff to me. I'm, it was like super fresh and really good. So I have to thank you for your advice. It worked out really good for me. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And really, advice is just words. It's your effort and everything else, your coordination. That's what's important. Well, thank you. So good luck next year. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we have some phone lines open. If you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I said before, just remember... You have you know, plant material, whether it's perennials with foliage is headed downhill and if they're not the fall blooming type, the asters or the mums or things like that, get rid of that foliage because the other day I have some big daddy hostas and I, you know, finally they all turned yellow. So I thought I'm going to crawl underneath this mugo pine and cut the foliage. And when I did, I crawled underneath there, and on the underside of two of the leaves, which I probably had maybe 20 leaves or something, there was a couple slugs. <laughs> so I thought, you dirty rats. So anyway, I got rid of them. I threw them out into the street. I always do that, especially if it's nice and sunny, and just watch them fry. <laughs> anyway, so just remember to do that. Also, check your, uh, your evergreens. And if you have any bagworms that are hanging there, just take some scissors if you don't feel like pulling them and you'll cut them off and get rid of them that way. The house across the street, they've got a juniper and they probably have 50 bagworms dangling from that. It's really kind of interesting. Another thing to watch out for is the silvery egg masses of the tent caterpillars. So those two things, the bagworms and the tent caterpillars, you're going to be able to find fairly easily. Uh, let's go over to Richard's yard now. Hi, Richard. Good morning, sir. Hi. Hi. I have about a 22 to 23-foot tree. I believe it's some kind of maple. It volunteered in our yard a few years ago, and we uh, tried to nurture it as best we could. 
Um, however, due to, I was, I'm going to say, improper maintenance, uh, about five about five foot from the uh, from the ground or so, about five foot up uh, a few years ago, obviously it wide off, okay? And then on the opposite, uh, other side of the tree, it wide off about six, six and a half, seven feet up. But the main shoot is about 20, 23 feet tall altogether. So a couple weekends ago on a very windy Saturday, I was playing with the dog and noticed that it looked like the main trunk was splitting because from that lower Y, which again is about five feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. It definitely was upon inspection. So, and it was real windy that day. So I made a snap, but probably proper decision to grab the chainsaw and get rid of that lower Y. And then to keep the tree in balance, I get rid of the other Y from the other side of the tree. Wow. So, um, my question is, is this a lost cause? I, and I have it wrapped together with a couple of ratchet straps for now because uh, I don't want to lose the thing if, if I can prevent it from from being a lost cause. But stupid question, but maybe are there any kind of screws that they show that you could put in there to hold this thing together and, and, and keep it going? Uh, any kind of wraps or bands or something I could put on there because it's it still, even though I took off uh, a Y from both sides of the tree to keep it in balance, you know, when, when the wind does blow, it's still, you can still see that split and it, you know, you can see it open and close as the wind goes back and forth, but I just don't want to uh, have to cut it down unless it's a lost cause. Anything, that you can suggest to keep that together or just keep an eye on it or I would say, you know, if you've if you made a good cut and when you cut the let's say the Y let's say you know multiple trunk type aspects that you cut off one off each side, as long as you made a good cut and everything else and you didn't leave a stub like six inches or three inches, you cut it where it's about a half inch or so, then that's probably the best thing you can possibly do. Don't put any sealer, don't put anything on it. And just kind of let the tree see if it can heal itself. Okay. Now, originally, okay. when you know this started happening, you can have tree services come out and they can cable trees together that will prevent any kind of damage, like splitting of the trunk. And usually, maples don't split, so I'm this must be a silver maple, a soft maple, as opposed to a hard maple. So even if they have the multiple trunks, that's not something that normally does happen with maples. Okay. Well, even maybe it's not. I'm not the best with my woods and my trees. But, <laughs> That's uh, okay. But uh, in general, just uh, kind of keep an eye on it, I guess. You right. Can, and exactly. go ahead and take my ratchet straps off. Yeah. Maybe throw a cable <laughs> around it. Yeah. I mean, you could. And ba what you could. Uh, how big's the diameter of the trunk? Um, at the base, the di diameter, which is uh, about 10 inches, 8 maybe. You're right. Because I was going to say what you could do is, you know, to keep the sun from scalding these spots, you know, up the up, higher up for where you cut, actually remove the, you know, the extra trunk uh, to prevent any kind of sun scald. You might try to get some wrap, like tree wrap or something like that and wrap those areas. But beyond that, that's about all I would do. Wrap the cut areas? Right. Yeah. All right, sir. Thank you for your advice. Sure. Wonderful my pleasure. Show. And Elaine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I have an ash tree in my yard, and it looks, this summer, it had 
leaves out towards the end of the branches, but right up through the middle, it, I've got a lot of dead branches and a lot of ugly stuff. And I didn't know what was going on there. Well, it's tough to say without actually seeing it, but uh, you probably should have a tree service come out and take a look at it. It may have emerald ash borer. I mean, I heard something about an ash borer. Right. So it, they the, impact the top of the tree, not the lower part of the tree. So if you're seeing this sort of like dead stuff near the top, that very well could be the case. And what they're okay. doing, I mean, in my neighborhood, all the ash trees are being removed for that very reason. They've taken Ain't out right? a couple hundred. Wow. Yeah. Mine seems to be dead all the way from top to bottom um, in the in the middle, <laughs> kind of right. right through the middle. The other thing, and I think this this is not good either. Many about five years ago, I built a bed around the trunk of the tree. It's probably a couple feet tall, Ooh. high with with mulch and well, maybe just one maybe just one foot high. Right. But it, that's bad, too, isn't it? Absolutely, because you're holding too much moisture against the bark. So okay. that's the worst thing you could possibly do, whether you put mulch, whether you put dirt, or whatever you put in there. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, you sort that's of like... That's not good. Yeah, so that could be the problem as much as anything. It may not yeah. be emerald ash borer at all, but you can have, again, a tree service come out and take a look at it. Okay. If I remove that bed, would that help things any? or is not, it, after, not after not. this period of time. No. Okay. All right. I'll get somebody to come out then, and I don't know if we can save it or not. But thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing is, uh, you know, the city decided that they wanted to get rid of the ash trees. And, I mean, some of these were huge. So they took the trees down, they ground the stumps out and everything else, and then now they're replanting other trees that are not that are native trees, blah, blah, blah. But uh yeah, the ash trees unfortunately went through some, you know, some real trouble. So thanks, Elaine. I greatly uh-huh. appreciate it. And folks, that's going to about finish us up for this hour. But if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And again, I've turned off, you know, the last few days, turned off the water, the faucets outside. So thank goodness it's raining. And because the ground really needed it, it was getting pretty darn dry. And nothing's worse than dry soil that tears up root systems during the wintertime, that freeze-thaw cycle. So, ah, just enjoy. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Brian, just look at the street light. I can't see the street light <laughs> right. from here. There's That's true. Pillars you in got the a way. weird angle. Yeah. But anyway. Guess what, folks? It is the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving it shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, pretty fancy sweatshirt you have on there. And you know, I think this is the Mineral Water Bowl, which I've been doing since, uh, boy, what year was it? Because this one is 19, this is 36, uh, this was 16 years ago. Wow. this, This shirt here. 
And I've been doing it for like 22, 23 years. It's in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. And it includes now the winner of the, or not the winner, but the top non-playoff team from the Northern Sun Conference, which is a lot of Minnesota, Wisconsin schools. And uh, and it used to have the MIAA, but they have they, they play in it sometimes now. So anyway, it's a bowl game that I've been uh, working on since many years ago. And they had to cancel this year because of COVID. So yeah, but this is my this is one of my I have a whole collection of this. I pick like a free sweatshirt every year. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the person that's in it says, you know, the quarterback passes the ball and oh it's intercepted. You're that kind yeah, of Yeah, kinda. I do the PA at the games and I, I host the banquet the night before. Ah MC the banquet. So I right. talk about the history of the bowl game and introduce the coaches and Things like that. So it's a it's so much fun, and great. the people up there are so great. It raises money for local uh, high school teams and families, oh, and kidding. so it's just these bunch of people who work really, really hard all year long to bring these small college football teams into town, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, and they treat them like kings, and it's just a really great time. So it's one one of the little things I do. Well, sounds fantastic. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't even know where Excelsior Springs is. It's about 30 miles north of Kansas City. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great little town with people who are really dedicated to this. And it's just a great group to be a part of. And I'm honored to go up there every year, but I won't make the trip this year because there's no game. Bummer. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway, fancy sweatshirt. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yes, folks. Thanks for having me on your show. And we can discuss plant selection Yes, you can still plant trees and shrubs, your woody plant material, because the ground is not frozen yet. How are your pansies doing? Uh, they're probably pretty darn good. It hasn't been cold enough to cause them any problems, even though it's gotten, uh, well, I don't know, in your particular neighborhood. But uh, in our neighborhood, it's got down to like 28 has been the coldest. And the pansies were not adversely impacted. Sometimes when it gets cold, they'll lay down, but then they'll pull their heads. In other words, their petals back up. Your bulbs, you better get those bulbs planted. Yeah, I'm talking about your spring flowering bulbs, your crocus, your daffodils, your tulips, those type things, and get your summer bulbs up out of the ground to protect. But we're finding more and more that people are leaving their elephant ears, their cannas, and things like that. They're just putting four or six inches of mulch over the top of them. They're in the city, close, you know, close to the house or close to buildings, and they're making it through the wintertime fine. How about your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens? I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answer, comment, or opinion is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is here. He's across the big board. He answers the phone and pushes all the buttons and everything else. So when you call, he just needs to know your first name and where you're calling from. Uh, I do landscape consulting. And uh, I used do it during the weekend, on the weekend sometimes too. And today after the show, I'm headed to town and country. And uh, and I do it rain or shine. So sometimes it's, it looks like uh, maybe it'll slow down a little bit. But I just uh, wear a raincoat and we just walk through uh, your yard and take a look. We could do it from the inside, but you can't really see the plant material all that well. So, But anyway, if you'd like to schedule a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and contact me. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Guess what? Things have been really kind of, with so many different things going on, that have been really kind of depressing. 
in many different ways. The Garden Glow, it started last Wednesday, I believe, November 11th. Garden Glow is special lighting around the Botanical Garden Grounds. And it started and it's going on. I forget when it goes to, but it goes past New Year's. And they've really, they made some major changes. A lot of times, you know, they kind of weren't necessarily doing exactly the same thing. But with the attendance and the limitations and the, where you had to call, you couldn't just show up and everything else. This is just during the regular season. They've used that, you know, that time to make some major changes to the garden glow. So you, if you haven't been there for a couple years because you, yeah, you just didn't, you should probably contact the garden, make an appointment so you can go and see this thing. It is just, I haven't seen it yet. I was going to go and do my walk around, you know, the basically from the historic front entrance because I can't get inside, but. Uh, I, you know, I ended up going to the Soldier's Memorial instead. But this Garden Glow thing, it's just, it's absolutely overwhelming. So head down to the Botanical Garden and check out the Garden Glow. So they get the tip of the trowel today. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's get a call or two in. Let's go to Festus and into Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a uh, miniature golden delicious apple tree, uh-huh. and every year <clears throat> it it leaves out very beautifully. It blooms, and um, and I get one or two apples on it. But then later in the year, the leaves um, just kind of die, like, and uh, and also from the from the bottom of it, I'm getting like. I guess you'd call them little suckers from the tree. Right. Should I keep those cut off? Yeah, definitely cut the suckers off. That's because this tree is actually attached. The trunk is attached to a different root system. So the suckers are what's coming off the root system. Also, you know, why you're not getting, you're asking why you're not getting good production or you're asking about the foliage on the tree. I'm asking about why the leaves kind of die on it. Yeah, it could be something called cedar apple rust. And that's a disease that's transmitted between upright junipers, the native junipers, and apple trees or anything in the apple family. And it causes the foliage to go downhill. So look at cedar apple rust. Then next year when the foliage starts coming out, you should probably go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have cedar apple rust if that's what it is. And they'll have a fungicide that you can spray and you have to probably do two or three applications one or two weeks apart. Oh, okay. So okay, and so the, uh, cutting those suckers off is that going to help the tree? Uh yeah. Basically, what it's going to start doing is if you leave them, it's going to start sapping energy from the the real tree. Yeah, it's coming up for, like from the from the ground. It, right. So, so again, it's they're coming off the root system, not off the trunk. <laughs> right. Right. So what causes that? Basically because the trunk is glued to a root system of a separate tree. And that separate tree, in other words, those roots, don't realize that it's not supposed to be producing any kind of trunks. So they just, you know, that's just kind of a a natural occurrence. Oh. Okay. All right. And uh, what, what was that you said that I should spray on that? You should get a fungicide for cedar, C E D A R. Apple, A-P-P-L-E, Rust, R-U-S-T. Oh, okay. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, let's head down to Springfield, Missouri, and see what's going on with Larry. Hi, Larry. How are you today? Uh, Mike, uh, from previous shows, I thought you mentioned that you had a, a electric lawnmower. Is that correct? Yes, battery-powered. Okay. I'm thinking about, uh, as I have a small yard, I'm thinking about uh, getting an electric mower. Uh, would you... Uh, are you are you pretty well satisfied with the service from this mower? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, uh, my yard's the size that uh, when I cut the front and back both, and then the you know any other thing that I do, whatever, then uh, you know I recharge the battery. It takes about uh, forty five minutes or so to recharge, and so that's pretty much it. Okay. The only thing I did was I have steel edger along. Uh, I have rock. Uh, rock mulch that outlines my house about three feet out, four feet out from mm-hmm. the house. And the steel edger, a couple times I've, you know, let the mower blade hit it. And yeah. so consequently, then I got to re- sharpen that spot. But uh, other than that, that's the only complaint I had. Now this one, you know, I like this one. It's a little bit smaller. I had one prior to this and I didn't care for it. So I forget exactly what the, what the problem was. Oh, the battery was huge. And, uh, you know, this one, the battery's about the size of a kind of a, a quart of milk, not quite even oh. that big, but it works really okay. well. And that is self-propelled, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. This, I push this. Oh, you push it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the information, sure. and um, I enjoy your show. Well, thank you. Yeah, the mower I have is called Green Works, there's, but there's plenty of them, and uh, I've been real happy with that one. So, Green work? Green works, yes. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And let's go to Jean's, and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Um, I'm calling in regards to this past summer I planted some impatience, and they flourished to the point where they were three foot plus high. And I've now removed them for the winter, of course, and uh, there's new ones trying to pop up with a vengeance. So next year at this same spot, I'm going to be planting some miniature boxwoods. Um, so I want to know, is there anything I can do now to what product to use to rid them so that next year I won't be destroying the boxwood that we're planting in this spot? I would say probably if you just go out there, when not obviously when the soil is as wet, but when the soil gets dry, just turn the soil over that should be adequate enough just to kill, you know, any kind of whatever these are coming back from the root system or sometimes certain varieties of plants can self-seed. That's probably not what happened with this. It's probably the root system. But if you just turn the soil over and you're getting ready, you know, to plant for next year, that should be enough to get it where they're not going to okay, come back. Okay, because there's thousands of them out there. I yeah. mean, they had when they were... Uh, growing, they had like these little, it looked almost like a caterpillar skin uh, dropping to the ground. Hmm. And, and, you know, I don't know if that was the seedlings or what, but, you know, I thought I've never seen that before with them. They they were just fabulous this year. So I just wanted to make sure, so just turn the soil over and right. leave it at that. Right, that should be adequate. Okay, 
thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And Bye-bye. let's see, where should we head now? Let's go over to Mary Mary Jane's yard. Hi, Mary Jane. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, I have hydrangeas. <laughs> Big, beautiful hydrangeas. But with this last frost, um, the ones that were close, the part that's close to the house look fine, but the other part looks like it's all completely, you know, frosted. <laughs> right. So should I be pruning them all the way back or... Well, I would just leave them alone. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, if those leaves are going to fall off anyway, the ones that got damaged by the frost, or the other ones, you know, it, as soon as we get another cold snap, it's going to probably f- get rid of those leaves or make them look aesthetically bad. But for the most part, you know, we're pruning hydrangeas way, way too much. I think leave them alone is the best thing, best thing you can do. These things are already pretty giant and taking over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful, sure. but um, yeah, if I want to, if I do want to cut them back, make them a little smaller because they're kind of overtaking the walkway. Um, when should I try to cut back a little bit? When does this variety bloom? In the spring or in the summer? All the time. So yeah, so it's ever blooming. Of, yeah, uh, basically anytime. You know, as we go through winter, I would probably not do it necessarily during the winter time, but as we're coming out of winter time, sometime around Valentine's Day, before any kind of new growth begins, so okay. like uh, mid February to mid March, I'd prune them at that time. Okay, great. Thank you. Appreciate yep. it. Sure. More show. I mean, some people mm-hmm. can say, uh, you know, prune it during the winter time. You can, but uh, I'm always just fearful. We don't know what the weather's going to be like, and you prune. And then we have a severe winter. It could kill more back. So this way, once right. we come out of winter, you should be okay. I know. I think a lot of stuff bloomed really pretty this year. And yeah. I don't know if it was because we were just home and actually saw it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a beautiful tree in the backyard. And I'm like, I didn't know it did that. <laughs> but I was out there a lot. <laughs> but, I mean, that, you know, for sure that. But also all the rain we had in the spring made it just perfect. Right. So. Right. All right. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Sure. And now let's go to Kirkwood and Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Yeah, I have a quick question for you. Is it too late in the year to plant sod? Ooh, we're kind of on the cusp. They're not even going to have, you know, warm season zoysia sod. If the garden center has it, I have not seen sod at any garden centers that I've driven past. That's not to say they don't have it. But uh, the problem is, you know, if the ground is cold, then the root system from the sod is not going to get established. And then if we do get a cold snap relatively soon, it's not going to do well for the sod. So Yeah, yeah. I just had a big yard project completed this week, and oh. my yard is nothing but mud. Ooh. So I thought I've got to get something down. But, you know, if that's the case, I'm assuming a lot of it's subsoil. You lay sod on that subsoil, and you're going to have a disaster anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the advice. I yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, it's going right. to be uh, sort of an aesthetic nightmare, but uh, you try to force something, and it's not going to do that well for you. Let's go over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Hey. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, it's nice to uh, have you take my call, and thanks so much for all your service and all that you do for us. Well, thank you. Um, I, I've got two. I've got an amaryllis that I buried into a dark spot, after it bloomed in January, and it said, take it out and clip it back a little bit, water it, and uh, the only thing, it's it's got great big leaves and no stalk yet. Right. 
So what you want to do is you want to cut those leaves off, leave about a, a one to two inch stub with the leaves, and that's pretty much it. Well, in other words, it won't. It said it would bloom a second time, and 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 the leaves have gone up the the second time. Yeah. But no stalk. Yeah, I don't know if that second bloom is. Uh, hmm. That's, I'm just hoping and and leaving it and letting it go, but um, now you have it outside. No, 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 no. Okay. It's in the house. Okay, good. Raised it in the well. house. The bulb is perfect and everything's going well. And I may just if the leaves. I mean, if it doesn't grow a stalk, I'll just cut off the leaves and then try it again. Put yeah. it in the dark and try it again in January. Generally, but, what triggers the the actual flower stalk to come out is by cutting the leaves off. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the living leaves you cut off? Yes. <laughs> and then it'll trigger the flower stalk? Right. Without leaves? Right. So then the flower stalk will come up, flowers will open, and then as the flowers start to sort of decline, then you'll start to see new foliage come up, the new really kind of whitish dark green leaves. Oh, because I've just got the wide, dark green leaves. Yeah, That's so all. cut those off, you know, leaving about a, you know, you you bought it, so you saw how much of a stub is left, of one, two, probably one inch stub of the leaves. Yeah. And just, you know, put it in a, you know, have you have it in a pod, just leave it alone for a couple weeks, and then uh, go ahead and, you know, water it occasionally, and that's all you need to do. And then probably in let's say six weeks or so, then bring it out and put it in a sunny location. You should, you should then start to see the flower stalks shooting up out of the center. Okay, I'll give it a try. The other question I have, and I think I know the answer because people have asked you, we had a hibiscus that didn't bloom until late, and uh, like late September, early October. And um, uh, and then, of course, we got the frost, and then whappo, everything goes down. So I trimmed it back. And can I put that in the garage and maybe bring it out in the spring and get something? Uh, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, not <laughs> <laughs> Generally, they don't do so well with that kind of circumstance. They're almost okay. something you have to buy every year. Yeah, okay. All I right. Mean, you could try it, and see, you know it may work, but that's for the most part, that's not going to be the case. And we thank you for your support. <laughs> have, a, have a blessed day. Yes, thank you very much. Same to you. And should we go to Elizabeth? Yes, let's go to Elizabeth. Hi. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, my grandfather has been listening to your show for years, and he suggested that I call. Um, got a problem with my succulent. Um, I'm new to growing succulents, and... At the sign of first frost, I brought them in, and I don't have a window in my house that gets good sun anywhere. So I put a light on them, um, but it's just like a an LED light. It doesn't get very hot. I think it's like 90 watts, but I'm still getting stretching um, from the plant. And so um, my question is, what light do you suggest? And then with the stretching, I've been told that I should you know, cut the plant and, re, you know, replant the part that I've cut off. So what what do you suggest? Basically go and, you know, go to a big box store or a garden center or whatever and get grow lights. They're, they have the, you know, the spectrum of light for plant material. 
and then I don't know how big these are, if they're all the same size or anything else, but with succulents, you know, if you get a fluorescent or you get a non-fluorescent, but get grow lights for sure and put it uh, where the bulb or the, the, let's say, fixture is only about three or four inches above the plant material. Oh, okay. And no water, you know, basically no water at all for, you know, at least a month and then maybe water it and then let it go another month without any water. And that's probably the best thing you can do. Now, as far as the then, stuff that's already stretched out and elongated, yeah. uh, that's not a good sign. So if they can recover, go ahead and cut that off and just get rid of it and see if, you know, from the center it's going to be able to come back. I see. Okay. And um, they're currently, like, in a loose-type soil that I got from uh, the garden shop. Is that it? Can they just stay in that, or do they need to be in dirt? No, no, not dirt for sure. Uh, okay. Cactus garden mix or cactus okay. succulent mix is, you know, very well-drained, lots of sand content and those sort of things. Right. Okay. So that's what they're in. Okay, right. great. Well, thank you for taking my call. Sure. And also, if you'd like, I mean, there is a cactus society called the Henry Shaw Cactus, meaning Henry Shaw Botanical Garden. They meet there. And they have a lot of experts on cactus and succulents both. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll look that up. All right. All right. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've had a couple questions about the amaryllis, which are great, but also you can force tulips and daffodils and things like that. We were at a, an antique mall the other day, Tracy and I, and they actually had some tulip bulbs, and they had them just in probably three or four-inch pots, and just the top of the bulb was sticking up above the potting mix it was growing in, and they were starting to sprout. So those things were going to be in bloom in probably a couple of weeks. Now, they did have them under grow lights, but uh, it's really kind of amazing. Forcing bulbs can really work very well beyond the amaryllis. So, uh, let's see. Where should we go? Hmm, let's go over to Tony's yard. Hi, Tony. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. Uh, regarding uh, impatience, who has time for those? <laughs> <laughs> and and hibiscus, the best hibiscus around are at the Lewis Cafe in St. Clair, but please don't overcrowd it. I love the place. Um, I got a question about um, my rock walkways. Uh, grass grows up in them, and uh, I'm, I've tried several different ways to eradicate it. I really dislike using Roundup, but I, I have used it in the grass inevitably comes back. Right. I had heard about Romans salting fields. Uh, so I actually dug out the space between the rocks and I poured rock salt in to the depth of about an inch. Mm. And that lasted until it rained in enough and the the uh, the salt dissolved and uh, turned the adjacent lawn a lovely lime green. Yes. But the grass come back comes back between the rocks. What can I do? Basically, you're going to have to kind of start all over again, but there's not really too much you can do because even if you put landscape fabric down and then put some gravel on that and then put your, you know, your stepping stones or whatever rock that you have, 
uh, you can have weed seeds and things like that that blow in that can germinate down into it. So you're exactly. never going to really have it where it's going to be, let's say, weed slash grass free. And especially if you have an aggressive type lawn, you know, growing on each side of it, that's where more of the problem comes in. But you're going to have, it's going to be trouble regardless of what you do. All right. Well, I'll just keep plugging away at it, so right. to speak. So, All right. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> sure. But the, yeah, even the herbicides, like uh, they're not going to kill anything except, you know, things that you spray it right onto. So whether you use a grass killer or whatever you happen to use, it's not going to make much difference as far as future seeds blowing in and germinating. So let's see. Where should we go now? Let's go over to Sue's house. Hi, Sue. Hi there. Hey, um, I have um, big box lavender that I bought in the area. and I live in Eureka. And uh, I am very challenged with deer, otter, chipmunks, coyotes, you name it. Um, I have a bluff wall. We poured a patio. So we have a concrete patio on one side of my little bed. And then uh, this is a perimeter garden. And uh, on the other side is the drop boulder wall. My question is the lavender. I have three. I want to create a datum additionally coming up in the oncoming years. And I notice it's not blooming. It bloomed a little purple, um, but uh, it looks hearty and a nice, like, uh, minty green. I like that. But the care of it, do I leave it go? It seems like if I leave it go, it likes it best. So what's your thoughts on that? Basically, the herbs, whether it be lavender or the majority of them, want to be left alone. They don't want fertilizer. They don't want additional waterings unless we have severe extended periods of drought, and that's the best thing you can do for them. So, okay, and as far as cooking goes with lavender, do you know anything about that? Like making chocolate lavender or? <laughs> no, I don't. Ah, no, I knew I'd see that. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about using lavender as far as cooking. So I like the fragrance, but uh, no, I'm, a, I'm totally lost on that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but I, again, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, and there's lots of herb societies throughout the entire region. You might contact some of the herb societies and see if there's a, you know, somebody that could help you out with uh, cooking oh, with lavender. Awesome. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know about that, but anyway, let's go to Connie's yard. Hi, Connie. Hi, hi, Mike. This is Connie. Yeah, uh, I wanted to tell you something. I was really excited. My cactus. Um, bloomed two uh, last week, and I've got two big, beautiful um, flowers on it. They're pink, and and they about three inches wide. And I've had it for years and years, and it it rarely bloomed. And when it did, it was little tiny ones. But this year, I did differently. I took it outside when it was warm weather, mm-hmm. and I left it out there. And then I brought it in when it started to get cool. And I, I have it in my bathroom window there, and um, and I was so excited that the they're beautiful, they're really big, and and the t- tips of the other leaves are getting pink too. So I'm going to have a lot of them. It looks like wow, and it's, and it's in a, the original uh, pot, which is a plastic one. Right, and I got it years and years ago, but uh, this time I, that's what I did different. I put it outside. And then brought it in, and um, it's just doing great. And I was so excited. I said I had to tell you because I hear everybody talking about their 
cactuses there. And um, so then um, I said, I got to tell you about that. Well, that sounds great. So this is a Christmas cactus, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not a regular. Rarely bloomed before. And it's in the same old pot, you know, a plastic one. Yeah. So I just wanted to tell you about that. And um Sounds perfect. Well, yeah. let me make a comment quickly. Uh, when you yeah. were saying just cactus and not Christmas cactus, which doesn't have any thorns, I thought, you are daring to put a cactus with thorns in your bathroom. No, it's not got thorns. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's those little bitty, you know. It's right, I know little, which one. Little, yeah, yeah, it's it's really nice. <laughs> and then I wanted to ask you about something else. Sure. Um, I have a, a very old grapevine outside, and it always uh, gets these little black spots, and then the vines get brittle and they come off. Now, when, what do you treat it with, or what do I do for that? If it's really old, you know, then it may not, you know, help at all. But it sounds like it does have a fungus. Next year, when it starts, you know, showing signs of this, take it to your favorite garden center. Let them analyze what it actually is, and they can recommend oh, a fungicide. Yeah. Well, and later in the um, uh, year there, it made big, bigger sprouts, on, and they went up onto the wire. And those came out later, and they were nicer. Now, I don't know what, what happened there because it's all on the same same vine, you know. But it's weather. You know, a lot of that stuff is triggered by humidity and moisture and everything else. So. That's probably what's happening is happening earlier in the season when the uh, conditions are ideal for this particular fungus slash virus, whatever it is, uh, uh-huh. to actually cause problems. When do you have to treat it if it, uh, you know? Um... Bef- basically, when the leaves are about halfway out, that's when you make the first application. Then, uh, you know, again, without knowing specifically what it is, just in general, you make one application when the leaves are about halfway out. Wait a couple of weeks, another application, and then another couple of weeks and another application. So it's generally going to take about three applications. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Oh, yeah. My Hi. pleasure. And let's go to Murfreesboro and Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, I have a chrysanthemum, yellow chrysanthemum garden out in my front yard with a little boy statue right in the center of it. It's about 10 feet in diameter. And a month ago, it was just spectacular. Everything, I mean, it was something to see. Then I got a heavy rain, went out the next morning, and half of them had fallen over. I thought, well, they'll come back up. Well, they never came back up. What did I do wrong in the pruning process to make them so weak that rain would knock them over? Well, it had to be a really severe rain because, I mean, a lot of times the rain can cause them to bend, but uh, other than that, you've done everything just right. So, I mean. So, uh, I just blame the old heavy rain, huh? Exactly. Because <laughs> if it was that hard that it actually, let's say, snapped the, the stems, that had to be a really no, heavy. Snap. They, just, they just leaned over. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if they weren't able to pull themselves back up, it, without there has to be a bend there or something because they should be able to pull themselves up, you know, from that unless it was just. Okay. You know, actually bent the you know bent the stem enough that there's not flow going back and forth between the root system and the actual stem. Yeah, my last pruning was the 15th of August. Okay. Did I wait too late? Uh yeah, that is kind of late. Usually, the first one should be let's say first of May, then first of June, then first of July, <laughs> that kind of thing. 
and, and none in August at all? No, you don't. I mean, you can do it. If you just really want to do three prunings. And the first one's when okay. it's about four inches high, you cut about halfway off. Then when it's eight inches high, you cut it halfway off. And then when it's like, you know, eight or ten inches high, cut it halfway off for the final one. So all three cuttings, half, 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 and half. Right. Okay. I, I, I didn't cut them half. I cut them more like a quarter. Ah. So they, must, they may have elongated too much. They may have. That might have been the problem. Right. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your show. Sure. My pleasure. And Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. And let's go to St. Charles and into Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Very good. Hey, the rain finally stopped out here. Thank you. And the uh, qu- uh, question is that uh, I got a lot of hardy hibiscus. Do I cut them back at, uh, at this time since they look kind of... Um, you know, just the leaves are all off and everything, or should I wait till the spring? Now, we're talking about the hardy varieties outside, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, you can cut them back now if you want to. Good, because they look kind of ugly. Well, I have a question. When will the deer stop rubbing on my trees? <laughs> Who knows? They're screwing. <laughs> Because, I mean, they're marking, yeah, right. their, they're marking their territory, so it just is kind of like punky kids. When are they going to stop yeah, I, Well, they're they working over this big magnolia I got. And Ooh. Of it's knocking off some of the lower branches, which I probably should have done anyhow. But and then they <laughs> they worked on this crepe myrtle first time this year. Ooh. And uh, I think in, uh, out of eight tomato plants, I ended up with about six tomatoes because they ate the rest of them themselves. Oh, my goodness. You know? They usually don't eat, to, you know, the actual plants. Well, they eat all my tomatoes. Uh, yeah, other wildlife will eat tomatoes, too, because they're going for moisture. We had that really dry spell. Yeah, I think the, I see the the uh, deer prints in my garden and everything, oh, you know. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so anyway, but it's, um, I just got through, I got a big fig tree. It's about eight foot tall, and I just tied it all in a big circle and put some concrete wire two sheets of that around it made a cylinder and i just got through wrapping it and stuffing it with leaves this week and the ground finally softened up enough to where i could stake it down so it doesn't blow over when it comes out wind comes out of the west so. all right but anyway i sure appreciate your your uh show it's very interesting i i'm out in the yard d- doing things now that the uh rain stopped so i've got you on a speakerphone so thanks a lot i appreciate the information sure my pleasure it looks like the rain stopped here in the city too so hallelujah yeah, we're getting a little bit a little bit of sun now so really we don't have that yeah yet. So, all well, right. it's, we're west of cottleville so you'll uh we get a little quicker than you will probably yeah, that's true thanks yeah. mike now let's head over right, to craig's thanks. yard hey craig how are you Good, Mike. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, I didn't know if you had answered. I just turned it uh, tuned in, but uh, I want to cut back my burning bush. The leaves just all came off this last week. Is that I can still do that? Yeah, you could do it. You can do it now, okay. or you can wait till we come out of winter time. But burning bush okay. are tough enough. You can prune going into winter. Okay, great. And then also, I have a I got a hillside in my backyard that has a bunch of euonymus on it. You know, low growing. Right. And I want to remove that. 
Uh, do I just have to get out there and cut it and dig it all out, or should I spray something on it first? Uh, you should probably cut it. Herbicides are not going to be any kind of a – they probably won't be effective this time of year. So Okay. I mean, and that stuff just grows crazy. I mean, it, it just oh, yeah. it looks good when it's real low, but then it just took over. So I just want to get up there and I guess just cut it all down. And then uh, once I do that, I'll probably um, either rock it or if I have to put if I want to put grass up there, do I get up there and got to really work that uh, soil a lot? Yeah, it's going to be a nightmare because this is probably winter creeper euonymus is you know basically labeled labeled as an invasive you know plant material. So it's going to yeah, take a long time to get rid of it, to be honest. Okay. So it's just going to be an ongoing thing. Get up there, pull it off, and just keep working right. it, I guess. Then. Take okay. It. All right. Yeah, it's going all to right, be... Mike. That's what I need to know. All right. My, great. my workload. Thank you. Sure. Let's go to Ruth in Perryville. You're probably going to be our last call, Ruth. Uh, yes, Mike. I got 10 shamrock or oxialis bulbs this fall, uh-huh. and I put three of them in the six-inch pot, and put the others in the refrigerator. Now I don't know what to do with the pot. <laughs> do I leave it outside for a while and then bring it in? Oh. The foliage uh, still looks good, right? It, it's just the bulb. Oh, so you haven't, I would say just bring it in then. Okay. So it didn't, did, when did you plant them? Last week. Oh. <laughs> well, well I, I know I should wait till spring, but for $3, I would have had to pay 7 or $9 shipping. Right. So I thought it was worth a try. Sure, yeah. Just bring it inside and see what happens. All or you right. can Maybe you've got some to plant inside in a pot. Go ahead and do that. And the one that's outside, still outside, just go ahead and you know leave it out there and see what happens. Okay. Can I put some in the refrigerator? Uh you don't need to. I don't know if they oh. need cold treatment or not. I don't think they do. So, okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And Fran and Jay, I don't think we're going to get to you today, but uh, we'll be back next week. Another couple things to be thinking about. Again, I'm going to talk about this is don't let those leaves pile up on your lawn or on your bed spaces either, because it could be problematic just, you know, from a humidity standpoint. So completely, you know, understand that again. So if you have bulbs that you haven't planted, daffodils, tulips, crocus, fall blooming ones. No, those aren't fall blooming ones. They're spring blooming ones that you plant in the fall. So that's, you can go ahead and get those in the ground as soon as possible. Uh, Continue with the poinsettias, giving it uh, six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11, 12 hours of darkness and, Basically, you can bring it out and put it in full sun. Once you start to see those bracts, which are those fancy leaves that change colors on the poinsettias, once it starts changing color, then you can bring it out and just put it in a sunny location. (sighs) Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.